Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So we should never judge a book by its cover. But yet they looked at Saul. They looked at their own hearts and they're like, we want a man who is taller than all of us. And he was head and shoulders, taller than anybody else. Good looking guy. But yet what they didn't know, what they couldn't see was what was going on inside the man that only God can see. And therein lies the discrepancy. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn about the man Israel picked as their king, Saul. What is not mentioned in the first two verses regarding the explanation of Saul is God. Saul came from a wealthy, influential family and was good-looking, but nothing is said about his relationship with the God of Israel. There is nothing said because there is nothing to say. Saul reflected the spiritual state of the whole nation of Israel. There may have been some spiritual image present, but the heart was far from where God wanted it to be. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 9. All right, let's open our Bibles now to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Last week we looked at the 8th chapter and we saw that uh, really the seventh chapter was really the end, not really so much the end, but just as far as his, um, his influence, we know that Samuel really consisted, uh, his life and ministry really consisted of the first seven chapters of the book. And it doesn't mean that Samuel died at, you know, at the end of chapter 7. His ministry continued on, but it was dovetailed with that of King Saul, Israel's first king. And we're going to see Samuel still continuing, uh, moving onward in his uh, ministry. God uses Samuel to anoint Saul as king of Israel. And we're also going to see later on that Samuel will also anoint David as a young boy, young teenager, um, uh, after Saul's reign. And so what we're looking at this evening, we are well into, or I'm sorry, we're not well into, we just began really the life and ministry, uh, the reign of Saul um, of Gabeah, the Saul of Kish, who was, his father's name was. And we're going to really look at Saul's life really from this chapter until the end of chapter 15. And so last week when we looked, we, we saw that Israel had really demanded a king. Samuel, as he began to get older, naturally there is a, a passing of the baton. 
And that is never an easy thing to do. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes that baton doesn't always get handed off in a very good way. Sometimes there's a fumble. (laughs) They're handing the baton off and the baton drops flat on the ground and there's not a a nice handoff. There's not an easy transition. And that's true in some churches as well. Uh, Churches who plan ahead of time, like Pastor Jeff. He did a really great job, I think, in that. Little did he know, and I didn't know it at the time either, but I didn't, you know, for the years that I was able to serve under him, I had no idea that God was grooming me for that position. I was very content and very happy uh, leading in worship, and I still love to do that when I can. But the way it happened and how the the baton was handed off was very, it it was really a wonderful thing, and and it was something I think our fellowship as as a whole was very thankful for, the way he did it and how it happened. And we see that in other churches, too. Calvary Chapel, the Finger Lakes, had a similar, uh, a wonderful experience in that. But not all churches, not all ministries have that commonality. Sometimes there's great upheaval. Sometimes, the, you know, 75% of the church leaves. That was my great fear, is that once Jeff, uh, Pastor Jeff left, that the church would leave with him. <laughs> but I was glad to hear that they didn't, and they stayed. And... Um, and so that, that's been a real blessing. And we see the same thing in, in Samuel's life. As he gets old, older, his sons began to be involved in the ministry. And his sons ruled in Beersheba, his son named Joel, and another one was Abijah. But they weren't really good men. They weren't, they weren't uh, bad men in the sense of uh, um, Eli's sons. Remember, Eli had two wicked sons. They weren't as wicked as, as they were, but they still were in it for gain, and they were still in it for themselves. And the people got fed up with Samuel's sons. They said, Samuel, you're old, and your sons don't walk in your ways. And we looked at that last week, and what a tragedy that is and was, because Samuel was a, an exemplary character. He had a sterling character, a wonderful man of God, obedient from his youth all the way up to his old age, and yet his sons didn't walk in his ways. There's no guarantees, is there? It'd be nice if there was a guarantee that when a man or woman has a child, they, they grow that child up, you know, like, the, like the verse that says in Proverbs, you know, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. There, there is a promise there, and I believe that that is true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your child is not going to go through some really awful things before they finally come back. Because when a child has a foundation in the Scriptures and the Word of God, it becomes part of them, and they remember the peace. They remember the, the, the unity they had with their family. They remember those things. And when they go out and finally are free like a bird, and they can go soar and spread their wings and fly away for a season and find themselves in a great mess... They know to come back because it's the only thing they've ever known. And now they know for a surety that what the Word of God said was true. And they find out for themselves, based on their own experience, that what God said was true. And I've noticed that in my own life. And unfortunately, it's just a pattern that keeps on continuing. No matter how hard we try, the human heart needs to come to an understanding that it's without God, it is completely hopeless. Hopeless. 
Apart from God, the human soul is completely hopeless, apart from Christ. But with Christ, all things are possible. He can take the worst person imaginable and turn them into a saint. We see that over and over again throughout history. Some of the worst offenders in our country, in our history of the world, many of them have come to faith at the end of their life. In our inglory right now, when many would say, if that's the way God is, I don't want to be in heaven. If he can forgive a man like Jeffrey Dahmer, who we understand that in his last, um, last few years of his life, I don't know exactly how many years he had, but they say that he gave his heart to Christ, and this was somebody who repulsed most of us, if we heard, actually all of us. But yet, if his confession is true, he's in glory. And there are some who have a hard time with that. And I can imagine even a, a person who is a husband or, or, or a, a mom or a dad of a daughter whom he committed a crime against. I can imagine them saying, if that's the God, if that is who God is, I don't want to go and meet him. But to me, that's good news because that means that there's hope for every soul, no matter what you do. God is a God of forgiveness, amen? And so that's exactly what Samuel got caught up in. His sons weren't walking in his ways, and the people demanded a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. And, you know, why does everybody want to be like everybody else? Why can't we just be ourselves? Why can't we just be who God made us? To me, the greatest joy in my life was figuring out who I was. Now, I don't, I don't think I'm anything, to be honest with you, but I feel very comfortable now in my own skin. And it took many years for me to get to that place because I, my identity is not in something I made myself. My identity is in Christ. And therefore, I have the perfect confidence, not perfect confidence, but I have great confidence, not in me, but in him. And I can rest. The journey is over for me. I know where I'm going, no matter what happens. And I pray that you have that same conviction And I pray if you're still searching and trying to find yourself, start with Jesus. Because it begins with him, it continues with him, and it will end with him. And you will be the more blessed for it. Amen? And so they wanted a king. They wanted to be like the nations around them. And God gave them the request of their heart. You remember last week the the title of the message was, Be Careful What You Ask For. And God knew what they wanted. He gave them what they wanted. They really didn't spell it out. You'll notice this as if you look in chapters 8 and chapter 9. They didn't actually bring out a laundry list and say, we want a king who's tall and handsome. We want a king who seems to have all these abilities. And he's, he looks, he's a beautiful man, can speak well, came to all, you know, through all the right colleges, Ivy League, you know, Yale and Oxford and Harvard. You know, he's got all, this, all these pedigrees, all these skills and abilities. Man, he's a handsome guy, even drives a nice car. They didn't come out and say that, but God knew their heart, and he gave them exactly what they were hoping for because most people, unfortunately, they look at the outward appearance. They look at the outward appearance, and they size a person up based on what they see, and they come to conclusions. We judge every single day. Did you know that? We look at people, and we automatically come to a conclusion. And sometimes those feelings, those, um, that judgment may be true. It's, it's, it's not a good thing to do because I'm always confronted with the exact opposite of that. When I have somebody pegged to be a certain way and I find out they're, they're nowhere near that at all, but my eyes, based on what I see in front of me, I come to conclusions. And there's reasons why we come to conclusions, because of history. 
history in our life, we've come to, uh, to, to know that this kind of person and this kind of situation probably is like this, probably is like that, and there may be some truth, but we can never put a stamp on somebody and say, this is who you are, because they will always defy it. Sort of like mercury on a flat surface. <laughs> it's just going to kind of go all over the place, and you're not going to be able to, to, to figure it out, know where it's going. So we should never judge a book by its cover. But yet they looked at Saul, they looked at their own hearts, and they're like, we want a man who is taller than all of us. And he was head and shoulders, taller than anybody else, good-looking guy. But yet what they didn't know, what they couldn't see, was what was going on inside the man that only God can see. And therein lies the discrepancy. I always look at the outside. God says, I don't look at the outside, I look at the inside. That's how God can take someone so small and insignificant like David. I love David's character because he was just the, the, the youngest, the eighth, the youngest son. Out there in the field with the, shep, with the sheep, nobody wanted to be a shepherd. It was a lowly thing to do, and yet David was very content being out there. And I imagine with seven other brothers, older brothers, he was very happy to be out there with those sheep. Just talking to the Lord, worshiping the Lord out there in the fields. But they wanted a king, and God gave them their desire. And unfortunately, Saul, we'll see throughout these next chapters, that Saul started off relatively well, but he was a failure as a king because he wasn't obedient. He wasn't, he wasn't obedient to what God asked him to do and what God wanted him to do. He didn't listen. And in any position of leadership, a, a leader has to be able to listen. He's got to be willing. He's got to be teachable. He's got to know that there's accountability. There's someone over him. He's not an island unto himself. He has to be accountable to others. No one has that ability. And the people who think they do are just fooling themselves. We are all accountable. We should be accountable. And so let's look at verse 1 here in chapter 9. So the decision had been made. We want a king. God says, okay, I'm going to pick one for you because I know your heart. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. But... God told Samuel to tell the people the behavior of a king. And he lists it for us in verse uh, 11 of chapter 8. What did he say to them? He said, this, is, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. You really want a king? I, I, it wasn't good enough that I could just rule over you like I did with the judges? I could just tell the judge what was going on and the judge could convey that. And you didn't need an army. You were already an army. You went out and you fought many battles. You didn't need anything. And I was the one, the one thing that all you needed. And I'm not enough anymore. Is that, the, is that the case, Israel? You know, that's what God was saying to them. And then he rehearsed for them the behavior of the king that they're going to get. And he told them, he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. And this is in uh, chapter 8, verse 11. This will be the behavior. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to his horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow the ground and reap his harvest. Some will make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will even take your daughters to be perfumers, to be cooks, to be bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants." 
He will give a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will even take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. And he will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in the day because of the king whom you have chosen for yourselves. Notice the accountability there. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refuse to obey. There is the obstinate, stubborn heart of man. <laughs> you know, if I was given that list of things, this is what's going to happen. You know, they've never known that before, have they? Had they had any problems before conquering their enemies? No, they didn't. But now as a result of their will being done, their, they, their want, their desire to be like everybody else, they're unhappy, they're... Um, unsettledness. God is saying, I'll give you what you want, but here's the consequence. Here's what's going to happen. And yet they can say they would not. Nevertheless, they refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles And notice, and Samuel heard all the words of the people. He repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Hear or heed their voice. Heed their voice, Samuel, and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man, every man go to his city. And I like what it says there. It says, God told him, Heed the voice of the people. Does that word ring a bell? Probably not in English. But remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt worship the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. He, yeah, I, I butchered the verse there, but you hear, O Israel. The word hear is Shema. That word Shema means hear with the intent of doing something about it. In other words, you hear something, but there's obedience attached to it. It's not like you just hear something and then go, oh, that's nice, and move on. No, you hear it, and you act upon it, and you move forward with it, Right? And that's really what he's saying to Samuel right here. He says, heed their voice, shema their voice. Obey them. Obey them, Samuel. Because they haven't rejected you, but they've rejected me. Or they have rejected you, but don't worry, they rejected me first. And so we get into chapter 1. It says, now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And literally when it says of power, this means a man of wealth. He was a man of substance. He had goods. He had, he had servants. And notice, he had a choice and a handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. And so here's a guy who sticks out like a sore thumb. Wherever he goes, he's taller than everybody else. But he's also handsome, too, which he's got something going for him. But this word, this name, Saul, literally means asked or desired. And that's exactly what he is. I find it interesting that these names of people fit oftentimes their role in, the, in, in history, in Israel's history. His name meant asked or desired, and he was what the people wanted. And again, God knows the heart of man. He knows exactly what kind of leader they were looking for, and he gave Saul to them. And this is actually the first mention of Saul in the Bible, Saul of Kish anyway. And notice that he's handsome, he's tall, 
And unfortunately, even today, we put qualities, we look for qualities in a leader. We look for, are they handsome? Do they dress well? Can they speak really well? And other things that we look for, we look at the outward appearance. But history proves that some of the people that nobody really cared for were the best leaders. When they looked at them the first time, they're like, the Lord, you know, there's nothing that can happen with this person. But the Lord loves to choose the base things of the world to confound the wise. He loves to take the things that are of no rapport with the world, and he likes to magnify those things. And it's safe, because then that vessel will never say, I did this, or I did that. They can say, it is only by grace that I'm here today. And whenever we give glory to God, boy, he can do great things through a vessel who doesn't look at themselves, who doesn't really think of themselves as being very much. And see, that's the way Saul started out. We're going to see this, that in his beginnings, he was very humble. But as he began to go on a couple years into his ministry, his devotion and obedience began to, um, to fail. But notice how easily Samuel was impressed by his natural looks and stature. And this admiration... Caused uh, also occurred when he presented Saul. Later on, we're going to look in uh, probably next week in chapter ten. When Saul um, present, I'm sorry, when Samuel presented Saul as king before the people, it says in First Samuel chapter ten verse twenty three, it says that they ran and they brought him, they brought uh, Saul. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, "Do you see whom the Lord has chosen? That there is none like him among all the people." And so all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. And this was Saul. This was Saul. And again, we can never make that mistake of looking on the outward. We see later on when Samuel would also go after Saul, after Saul's reign begins to wane. God tells him to go to Jesse and to anoint one of his sons. And you remember, it's recorded for us. We'll get there. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel goes before Jesse's sons and he sees, uh, so it was when they came, all of his sons came, that Samuel looked at Eliab, who was the oldest, and he said to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He was a tall guy, handsome, probably just like Saul. And Samuel had this thing with the outward appearance, didn't he? We, saw it, we, we see it here, and we're also going to see it later on when he goes to visit Jesse's sons. He looks at Eliab, and he says, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And boy, I wish I could do that more consistently. You know, to look at people for who they really are in Christ rather than my own presuppositions, my own mold that I put them in. We all do it. We put people in pigeonholes, in boxes. Oh, you're just like this. My experience shows me that this person is just like this. And so you, in your mind, you take them and you stick them in that little, that little pigeonhole. We've got to be so careful. We have to be so careful. So, Kish, he had a handsome and choice son, back in our text now, verse 2 again. And his name was Saul, again, a handsome man. Verse 3, it says, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of your servants with you. 
And arise and go look for the donkeys. Go look for the donkeys. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, let me read to you First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 16 again. You might just want to make a note off to the margin of your Bible, First Samuel 16, verse 11 and 12. But let me read it to you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.